Welcome back to another episode of the Epic Earth Podcast, a show for those curious about the STEM field and the awesome, quirky, and fun experiences and research that is taking place right now. This is episode number 20, Outreaching for the Stars. So hit that like, follow, and subscribe button, then sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we take a journey around this epic Earth. I found it all so fascinating just learning all the information. Nobody told me I couldn't do it, and I loved it. And now I know how to learn. Like, this is a doable thing. You know, that's an impact that we can't ignore. Hey, everyone. It's another episode of Epic Earth. I'm your host, Ashley Bosa, and with me I have my co-host, Brian Rosenblatt. Hey, happy to be here. Um, No Scott this week. Uh, and I have no news for this week, so I'm going to dive into introducing our guest. Um, she is a nonprofit professional and a geoscience nerd, <laughs> which we'll get a little bit into, but she is currently working at Boise State's um, College of Business and Economics Career Services, so she's done a bit of a transition. She grew up in Idaho and attended Utah Tech University and Boise State University, and uh Probably the main thing she's here for, which uh, I'm very excited about, is she has a passion for STEM outreach. So uh, welcome, Maddie Honia. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, It's exciting. We love to get people outside of our department um, and and outside of our field sometimes to come and talk about their experiences. So maybe we can talk a little bit about your career services um, side of things. But let's start by uh, having you just tell us a little bit about yourself. What makes you you? And now, what makes you, you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, what, what stays most on brand for today is that I am someone who's just always been fascinated by STEM. I've always been very passionate about all things STEM um, since I was very little. Um, it's something that my parents really encouraged. I, you know, grew up doing and all of my like fondest memories growing up have to do around science. Um, so, you know, on top of that, I consider myself a forever learner. I love always learning something new and trying something different. I think you'll probably hear that a little bit as I talk about like my experience because it is kind of a little bit here and a little bit here and all over. Um, But I think that kind of adds to to what I bring. Um, Outside of that, I was also a really big theater kid growing up. So like I love putting on a show, love being in front of people. And I think that that is what made outreach something really attractive to me, something that really like brought me into that. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like I am not a very theatrical person, but I do love to do outreach. So it's fun to see like the different personalities come together. And yeah. it is, it's funny. I feel like outreach does sort of bring a lot of those personalities into it because yeah. there's so many different ways that you can do outreach and, and it brings out a different personality in everyone too Mm -hmm. like uh, I'm not very theatrical but I really love to go and do these like STEM activities with students all the time and it's so much fun Um, so great that's awesome Um, so how did you get interested in your field of study um, or work or STEM outreach you said you got a little bit into that but um, sort of give us a little bit of like how your path was for you yeah that's a great question um I think that for me, um, I always knew I wanted to go into a STEM field. I was in 
gifted and talented growing up. So that was like really like put into my head by the people around me, by my parents of like, yeah, you're going to be a scientist. Like you're going to do this. Um, so I always like knew that's where I wanted to go, but I didn't know like what the thing would be. Um, I think my first memory of like geoscience, like becoming that thing was my uh, grandparents and my mom and I went on this trip on the way to uh, Mount Rushmore and we were like walking around and I looked down and there was these like shiny bits of something in the grass. And I was like, mom, why are there fish scales like all over the grass here? Um, and she like picks it up and she's like, no, this is mica. Like, this is not fish scales. Like, these are, oh, it's like yeah. a mineral. And she like explained it to me. And we went back um, to our like camp and she put it in like a little egg carton and wrote mica on it. And that was like the start of my rock collection. Um, oh. So I feel like that was very like intrinsic and in, like getting me there. Um, I, I would say things went a little off course when I got to college itself because um, despite my passion for rocks, um, I didn't see a clear career. I didn't see like, I'm going to be in a research position or I'm going to be doing this specific thing. Um, and so because of that, I just like did a lot of other opportunities and took a lot of different jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that I think brought me into outreach the most is I was teaching um, earth science high school at a residential center in Utah. Um, and that was, you know, that a good shift towards outreach, towards teaching STEM, towards that informal education realm where I, f- I felt my passion for science meet that like, oh, I can do this and I see myself doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, I, I moved back to Idaho and I, I started working at the Discovery Center. Um, if you haven't been there, it's a hands-on science center. It's really fun. Um, and so I got to like combine that like love for telling people about science with that like bringing people into this field. Um, and so I think that kind of got me doing the outreach and the STEM outreach that I'm doing now. That's really awesome. Yeah, we love to hear um, sort of how people get into STEM and then how they get involved in, in STEM activities because it's not a linear process for everybody. No, yeah. Not everybody has to go to college. Not everyone has to do this research. Not everyone has to get their PhD. And mm-hmm. even if you do start on some of those pathways, sometimes, you know, you sort of fall into these other um you know, careers like mm-hmm. working for the Discovery Center or, you know, whatever um, that sort of allow you to still incorporate a lot of those STEM activities into what you do, but it's not directly maybe always related to STEM or mm-hmm. it, even if it is, it's maybe not just the path that everyone thinks of, like that everyone's got like high accolades and, <laughs> you know, like yeah. a thousand publications yes, exactly. uh, behind them. <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome. I I love that. I think it really is key to getting students, especially recruited into STEM mm-hmm. pathways because, um, you know, it can be so daunting mm-hmm. for for little kids, especially. Um, and I think it's, it's really important that yeah. we show them that, hey, like, you know, you don't have to spend like 10 years of your life in college to, to yep. do the things that you're really passionate about with yes. science and that actually reminds me of like the outreach activity. We, we might have talked about this in the past already, um, but there's like a, a pretty well-known STEM outreach activity where you have students draw a scientist and that's like all you say for them is like, oh, draw yeah. a scientist. And when I first started doing that activity, like five years ago, um, everyone would draw like a white man in a lab coat with like crazy hair holding like a beaker <laughs> of like some exploding potion, which mm-hmm. was awesome. But then, you know, at my most recent job, I um, was at Girl Scouts and managing their STEM program. 
first time I did this to them, every single girl just drew herself, like, with a, a dog or helping someone or, like, mm-hmm. out in nature. And it was a very emotional moment for me because I was like, well, I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. But I think that that does show, like, what outreach is trying to get at is, like, everyone is involved in science, involved in STEM. You don't have to have this lab coat on. Like, yeah. you can be doing whatever it is you are passionate about as long as you're passionate about it. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, one of the, the questions we always ask students when we go out and do our outreach is, um, you know, uh, who thinks they're a scientist? Mm-hmm. And then we say, have you ever been curious about anything? Ooh, that's a good question. And um, have you ever had a question, you know, that you've asked yourself, like, you know, how many bugs are in this tree? Mm-hmm. Or um, why does my brother pick his nose so much? Or <laughs> anything, you know, yeah. just to get the kids thinking, like, any question that you've ever had and you've ever, like, wanted to investigate is makes you a scientist yeah. and makes you part of that STEM field. So, yeah, um, so awesome. I love, I love that they just drew themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, great. So uh, why then do you think community outreach is so important? Yeah, I think I have like two main thoughts around this. And the first is that like, as we just mentioned, STEM isn't just a space for research for someone with a master's, a doctorate. It's like this is a space that other people can be involved in. Um, I think that outreach is a place that anyone who is passionate about it can get involved. Like, you don't have to be an expert on biology to go do biology outreach. You don't have to be an expert on dinosaurs to go tell kids about dinosaurs, but you can just have a lot of heart in it. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to get people stoked. So I think that community outreach is a great place for people of all abilities and backgrounds to be in one space. And that kind of gets into my like second part of like outreach is that connecting piece for the community. You know, you have people who are professionals in their in their field talking to people who have never heard about these concepts before and it might spark something for them, it might change something they do in their life. They might never remember it again, but like mm-hmm. it's important that it's a place where people are able to share these thoughts in a very I would say open and inviting space. Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. Um I think you know we're promoting so much of it these days because it is such an, a key component to communicating with the community, having that sort of mediation between, okay, like, here's, like, a lot of jargony science up here, and how do we communicate that to people who are not going to understand those terms or are, like, turned off by those terms, you know? and But we do it in a fun way, right? Yeah. Like, of course, with kids, like, we go stuff up or okay. and they're not going to remember like the chemical reaction that happened but they'll remember that like you added these two things together and it right. went boom and they're going to be like that's super cool yeah um i kind of want to go back to the first point you made there where you don't have to be an expert to do outreach mm-hmm. um, i had a direct experience of that i did my physics undergrad and i moved to geophysics for my master's and it was within like my first month of starting that i got asked to go do a volcano outreach thing <laughs> And I really felt like I knew nothing about volcanoes whatsoever. Um, but Alex Witzel was like, no, you got this. Like, you can do it. So we, he took me out to a school, and we were there the whole day. And it, it went super, super smoothly. Um, but I feel like I have a certain personality that matches that. I love to speak in metaphors. Um, I'm not a theatrical person, but when I have people in front of me, I tend to be, like, put on a show a little yeah. bit. So that comes out of me. Do you think there's, like... Kind of like how some people are built to be athletes. Do you think people are built to do outreach or anyone could do it? Ooh, that is such a good question. I want to say yes and. Like, I think 
anyone can build a skill that they're not comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, growing up, commu- like, theaters will help me communicate well and, like, be in that space. So I think those who are good communicators, this is a great place to be in because, mm-hmm. like, w- we all know from taking these courses, these are some really big concepts that you're breaking down for someone who's maybe never even heard of it before. So, like, that is a special skill to have of being like, how do I explain geologic time to a sixth grader? Like, how are they going to understand that? Yeah. Um, but I do think that there there are other skills in outreach outside of communicating. Like, um, there's a lot of ability to be creative in the activities that you mm-hmm. do. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot to be said of the people that just get this stuff set up and like are able to like coordinate all the pieces of it. So I do think like special spot for people who do kind of want to put on that show, want to be the one speaking to people, but there's a space for anyone. I agree. It's like anyone can play football. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be built for it to be to be playing it, you yeah. know. So. Yeah. Cool. I do think um one other thing about outreach and um this is probably like special to the fact that I've gotten to work in outreach is like you're able to reach communities too who would never ever experience this before. Um, being in Idaho, we have a lot of r- rural spaces, and at both of the at both the Discovery Center and at Girl Scouts, we've had rural STEM outreach programs. So to be able to go out in those communities who don't get the same in-class STEM experience that a lot of us do, they don't get those same labs. Like to bring that to them. And then even further to make it not a classroom. Like, no, we're having like a fun activity. This is outside of school. Like, I think that's a special place that outreach can go up and above and bring it to those special communities. Yeah, that's a really valid point. Um, And sometimes, yeah, even those, I mean, the teachers, like you said, like they don't have the resources to teach those lessons. So being able to bring those resources in and, and give a lesson on something that maybe they're not as familiar with or they're not as comfortable giving or they just don't have you know, the ability to do it. Um, it's so awesome to to reach those communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, from what I've, I've heard, you've <laughs> just done so much of that, um, just even around the Boise area. So uh, I admire you. Oh, You're like you. my hero. <laughs> um, yeah. So what is, what would you say is the, the best or most fun thing that you do? Um, this was by far like the hardest question I had to prep for because there is like I've got like years of these just really random experiences that are really fun Um, and so like you know the most fun thing about outreach is that you never have the same experience twice Um, even you know when I was working at a science museum with the exact same exhibit every time I took people through that that was an entirely different experience Um, one of my favorites at the Discovery Center um, they had Sue the Dinosaur and you know freaking out about dinosaurs already um and they also had a an exhibit from Stewart's gem shop that had like coprolite and dinosaur bone in it (laughs) and I I just had nerded out over this for the six months we had the exhibit when they were hosting an event and I was just supposed to be like you know walking around as an educator to answer questions and um there's all these like fancy people in nice suits you know doing a a nice event (laughs) And someone overheard me talking about this dinosaur and they all like congregated around me and I ended up giving a tour of the entire dinosaur oh to this God. group and they were like, so are you like, are you like the expert on this? And I was like, absolutely not. I just like <laughs> really love this dinosaur. Like yeah. it was just a really cool opportunity to, for people to like be like, oh, this is just fun. Like let's just get involved in on this. Um, that was one thing I was thinking about. That's really fun. Um, 
For our listeners, can you just describe what coprolite is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, coprolite is dinosaur poop, um, but it's actually really pretty because it's been fossilized. So may or may not have like a necklace made out of it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love this. Um, but are you, are you wearing it right now? No, I should have. Oh. I, I should have like totally worn all my stuff today. So I got like amber stuff too. Like, oh darn. Um, yeah, coprolite is fossilized dinosaur poop. Um, so what's cool about it is you can learn a lot about the dinosaurs from it. If it's like red coprolite, they were an iron eating dinosaur that ate meat. Um, and so I would kind of like sit by the coprolite exhibit as kids would walk by and be like, do you know what this is? And they'd be like, no, it's dinosaur poop. And they'd be like, ew, gross, and freak out over yeah. it. So it was pretty fun. It's amazing how many, because I worked in a geology museum, we talked about this, but uh, yeah, it's it's amazing how many of the students just like kind of congregate towards the carpet light. Yes. They're like, do you have dinosaur poop? Like, yes, yes, we do. We do, we do actually. <laughs> yeah. It's like the most fascinating thing. Like, I think it's here's so cool. a velociraptor skull. Don't care. Yeah. Like, I want to see the poop. Oh, I remember, like, it was literally next to fossilized, like, dinosaur eggs that were, like, op- and it opened. And I was like, that's kind of cooler up to me. Personally. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's fine. We'll talk about the poop. So. Each his own. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, what about... I'd like to just get your thoughts on um, girls in STEM, especially because you've worked with the Girl Scouts, and mm-hmm. um, so you have some experience in terms of trying to recruit more women into the field. And and so, what have, are your general thoughts on on you know how the STEM field is like heading, and um, you know what we're doing as scientists to sort of make sure that you know women are being um, represented yeah. in the STEM field. Yeah, I would. Um, so I would say what what got me into outreach, honestly, is is that exact thing. I um, experienced a lot of barriers in my degree that made me very passionate about ensuring that someone else would be like a little tougher to get through it, you know, mm-hmm. or like they wouldn't experience it. And so after that is when I transitioned. I moved to Girl Scouts, you know, to manage their STEM program because for me that was like, oh, this is perfect. It's literally like bringing girls into STEM. Um, Joining that organization, I learned that they have an entire initiative to bring 2.5 million girls into that STEM career pipeline. So the past four years working at Girl Scouts was getting to work with like amazing partners with these badges. Like NASA wrote the Girl Scout badges and these like um, big coding partners wrote these coding badges. So I got to see kind of from a different perspective, like how everyone else is prepping for this at this younger level. So these big organizations who employ women in STEM are starting at that sm- at that level where they're making sure these girls already know about them mm-hmm. and they know they're being supported. Um, I think I got to be in a very unique position being at Girl Scouts because those girls are so like already ready to do STEM. Like they yeah. are very curious and like go-getters and like ready to do it. Um, so I think I got to be around the ones who are like already very passionate towards it. And that was just really special. Um, but I do think like STEM has so much opportunity for girls because there's so much creativity in it. And there's a lot of, a lot of skills that girls and women have that I don't think we realize are like as skillful as they are. Mm -hmm. I think creativity is one of those. And that's something I saw doing engineering workshops with these girls when they're making, um, prototypes of robots out of cardboard boxes, but they're solving these huge, crazy problems that I didn't even think could have a solution. Um, and so I think really what's important is that from a very young age, all those skills that girls have are encouraged, like every single one of them, because 
you don't have to just be good at math to go into STEM. You don't mm-hmm. have to love science to go into STEM. But if you're creative and you like communicating, um, or if you are good at math, you know, like there is always a pipeline there. So I think like that's a long rambling thought about <laughs> women in STEM, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> no, I couldn't have said it better. I think that's awesome. Um, and I think a key point there is like you're starting them young, which like you mm-hmm. mentioned that you were in a gifted program that kind of like kickstarted this. I was mm-hmm. also in a similar program that I feel like got mm-hmm. me to where I am today too. So I think that is like super important. How long has that been going on with um, with the Girl Scouts? It, that uh, initiative had started when I had started it, okay. or at Girl Scouts. So I know that it has been a, a big important factor for them, but you know, even going further than that, their first STEM badge was released in 1916, oh, and wow. it was a circuitry badge where the oh. girls had to like rewire stuff in their house. And oh, that, wow. I'm sure that is like such a big overview, but um, that's something I thought what, truly like what brought me to Girl Scouts was mm. learning like, oh no, this has been an intrinsic intrinsic part of their program wow. from the beginning. Okay, I didn't realize that. I know how cool, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like. Go Girl Scouts, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's funny because um, one of my nieces was in, or might still be in Girl Scouts, but um, I remember like well, her first year, she was raising money um, through the cookie mm-hmm. sales to go to a science camp. Yes. And I was like so stoked. And yeah. I was just like, I will buy like 30 boxes of cookies and yeah. <laughs> send you to science camp for sure. So Yeah. I mean, this is going to become like the, the Girl Scouts STEM day. Yeah. yeah. But like two of the things I can think of is... One is, uh, in my council, I ran two STEM days. Um, one was here at Boise State, and the other was at ISU. They just happened last weekend, actually. Well, one of them did. Um, but this is something that we work with the colleges to put on an event with 40-plus community partners, and each of them had a hands-on table for those girls to come in and, like, learn about coding, learn about, um, you know, robotics, learn about circuitry, like, really cool concepts. Um, and we had, there's, like, I came and visited because I'm not working there anymore, but there was like over 120 girls at this event. And so that's something really special that's happening, you know, all over our state at least, yeah. um, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I'm really digging in like to the science and the, yeah. <laughs> you know, giving it to Idaho. Yeah. Come on, Idaho. <laughs> uh, that's so awesome. And yeah, I honestly couldn't have articulated it any better than you did. You did awesome. Um if you could describe outreach using an analogy, what would it be? Um, the like the first thing that came to my head when when I read that was Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yes, <laughs> because my I hero. feel like well, yeah, and I feel like he's like that. That is outreach to me. You yeah. know, someone rolled a, a TV into my classroom, and this guy came on in a funny lab coat, and he taught me about science, and I like got super stoked about it. Um, and so. You know, we talked about, you know, putting on a performance, and I think some of us in the outreach world do put that Bill Nye cap on before we go in front of kids, and we're like, hey, I'm going to do something that, like, they remember it, it's fun, but it's educational, and then they're going to, like, continue to want to get a little bit more after this. So, like, yeah, you get to be silly, but, like, you're also still, like, educating people, so it's fun. Definitely, and I feel like the silly part of it is the thing, like, I don't know, as an adult, I'm still, like, Bill Nye. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Watch all of his videos. (laughs) Um, I feel like Bill Nye is such, like, a generational thing. We watched it so much. I did, at least, like, going through middle school and whatnot. And, like, when you said draw a scientist, Mm -hmm. like, I probably would have drawn Bill Nye at that age. So I don't know if if students nowadays are still watching, like, Bill Nye or whatnot. When I was was teaching, I mean, this is, like, 
eons ago. <laughs> Not that long ago. Okay, it was like 15 years ago, but <laughs> still. Um, when I was substitute teaching, they did have Bill Nye lessons, like where they were still watching it. Yeah. So I don't know how much of it is actually incorporated into into classrooms these days, but it should be because he's such a great guy. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever read any of his books, but um, I haven't. his story is like, he's just, I mean, he's a physicist and, you know, he wanted to do something that was like fun and like silly and like, mm-hmm. but that outreach component and yeah, it's yeah. just like, he's a fascinating guy. Um, so read his books. Yeah. <laughs> Promoting Bill Nye, the okay. science guy. <laughs> and if you don't know who he is, YouTube him. a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, you have a ton of catching up to do. I want to sing the theme song, but I think we'd get copyright for that. See, I think that's how, that's how I know kids do know about him, yeah, though, because okay. they will definitely chant that yeah. like, at any that's given good. moment. So someone's teaching them. That's, that's commendable. <laughs> Um, do you have, okay, so we talked about your, um, Sue, the dinosaur. Yes. Um, do you have any other fun stories from your work with Outreach? Yeah, I have, um, kind of like a cool opportunity through Outreach. When I was working at, um, the Discovery Center, I applied to be in a Sustainability and Science Museums Fellowship, um, through Arizona State University and, um, was accepted into it. And so we went to Chicago to Museum of Science and Industry and did a a week-long fellowship. Um, I did get to go to the Field Museum and see actual Sioux as well, which was like so amazing. And then we got to go to the Shedd Aquarium for like their adult night. So, you know, alone, it was just a really fun, um, science-y experience. Um, but with that, we were given funds to then do a project, an outreach project of our choosing. That was like totally open-ended. Um, and so at the time, um, working at the Discovery Center, we had a, a hallway that was just blank. Um, and so with the, those funds, I put together a sustainability-themed art hall. So we, I put it out to the community to submit artwork or photos um, that they felt represented sustainability. Um, and we had a lot of submissions, but like all ages. Like I think our youngest was like a six six year old. And we had someone who's sixty, so truly like all ages were submitting um, into this art gallery. And so we we put it up in there, um, and the community got to come and like caption it with how they you know thought about it. Um, it was at the same time we were doing the MythBusters um, exhibit, and so right. we ended up like using all the leftover duct tape to make like chairs. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> very like sustainable. Um, and so that was I think. Uh, one of those like very proud outreach moments of the first time I got to see people come in and see their own artwork in it. Uh, I remember the the young boy who um, won because we had like a prize for it. Um, he took a picture of the co-op and the co-op was like so happy about this like picture because it was just so cute. Um, and so getting to see everyone participate, getting to see people come visit it, getting to see them think more about sustainability was just think a really special opportunity yeah that's super awesome that sounds like in your creativity of having to think about sustainability and like what does that mean and how does it look and that's mm-hmm. really cool um gosh I don't know you have so many awesome <laughs> stories like I feel 
inadequate, actually, <laughs> with my science. I'm like, wow, Maddie does so many cool things. I'm definitely, like, pulling out the best ones, though, because half of mine is like, I'm really short, so they had me go inside the dinosaur <laughs> skull to turn off the roaring noise. Like, yeah, like oh, well, you like, know, it's all part of the job. That's yeah. still really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. We're like, we had a good conversation starter. It, one of those, like, two truths and a lie. Like, I've been inside a T-Rex skull. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we think outreach is awesome. We do it because we love it, and we think it's a great way um, to get involved. What would you recommend um, to people who are not involved or or are sort of on the fence about whether or not they should do outreach? How would you get them involved? What would you yeah. recommend they do? Yeah, um, so when I, I did my um, most of my undergrad in Utah, so despite living in Idaho for most of my life, when I came back here, I did not know, like, what was going on. <laughs> so what I would recommend people do is, like, do a quick catalog of what's going on in your area. So I just Googled, like, geology in Boise or geoscience groups in Boise. And for me, I was able to find um, the local museum. There's Idaho Museum of Mining and Geology, and I reached out to them um, to see if they had any events coming up. They have a really big event every August, September, so I went to that event and signed up as a volunteer. So it's really about searching what's in your community and seeing what sparks your interest. Um, museums and nonprofits are always a great place to start. We always want your help. Um, also school groups. At the time I got involved in Boise State's Geology Club. So um, a lot of Googling, a lot of Googling is really nice. Um, the other thing I would suggest is like, once you make one friend, ask that friend what they're doing. Cause that's how you're gonna find like all the other connections to people. Um, and it's so much easier to go to an outreach event when you know one person. So just, like, get that person in. You'll do outreach with them forever. The friend I made uh, my first year at Discovery Center is still my best friend to this day. And yeah. it's because of outreach and because of STEM. So I think it's a, a really special place to be. Yeah. Um, well, indirectly, that's kind of how I met you. It yes. wasn't <laughs> necessarily outreach, but it was, like, you know, I was out in the quad trying to get students to register to vote, and uh, the person that was doing it with me was like, oh, my gosh, you have to meet Maddie. She's, like, the most amazing person, and you two just would, like, align so well. And so just networking through other people is also great. Yeah, um, shout out to Pat. <laughs> yeah, Thank she's so amazing. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, Maddie, this is been awesome. I'm actually going to finish up with some uh, quote-unquote serious questions. Oh, yes. I love these. Yeah. <laughs> serious question. So, um, my first serious question to you is, um, and this is a <laughs> This is all thanks to Brian. Okay. Um, are there more eyes or more legs in the world? Oh, this is like the doors and wheels thing, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> eyes or legs? I'm going to say legs. Uh, but are we counting like bugs? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say legs. Okay. Oh, wow. Even okay. including like fish, though. Like fish don't have any legs. Okay, but centipedes have like enough to make up for it. Yeah. Ooh, this is going to get me for a long, <laughs> a long time. I'm going to commit to legs, though. <laughs> I also think legs. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you awesome. think? What do I think? I don't know. Because <laughs> at first I was like, well, wait, are we just talking humans? Because maybe, like, there's more eyes because people get legs amputated. And then, <laughs> yeah. but then you said everything. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> All right, maybe not. <laughs> I'm going to go look up, like, how many animals have more than two eyes? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's a good point. Bugs also have a ton of eyes as well. That's true. What's their eye to leg ratio? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Mm. Oh, gosh. Mm. Some fun math. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would be a dissertation, I'm pretty sure, or a career (laughs) of counting. Um, My next question is, if you could be a superhero, who would you be and why? Who? Okay. Or not, I guess, what would you be? What would be your superpower? superpower? Okay. I actually have always had this question ready. Oh, heck My no. superpower would be able to, like, understand any language. Like, yeah. but, like, also, like, cats and stuff. You know, like, any language. That wow. would be my superpower. That's probably, like, the most practical, like, answer to that question we've gotten. I have had a lot of, as you know, informal ed is the place to ask silly questions. So I've had a lot of practice for this one. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta bust out the big guns then. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. Super uh, serious. Epic yeah, serious totally. question. Super, super serious. I mean, I can ask you guys a super serious question. Sure. Oh, gosh, you go can ahead. you can use this one too. Okay. Um, if you could keep any small animal in your pocket, and this means like it is a large animal that can be shrunk down. Oh, yeah. If you could keep any animal in your pocket, what would it be? Oh well. Um I mean I guess mine would be a bear. Ooh, I like bears. Yeah. And- I mean, they're cute. It was small size. I mean, it's not going to do too much damage. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> trying to think of something practical. Like a, I don't know, like a squid maybe or something. Oh, squid. You could use it to like reach out and grab things. <laughs> like one of those sticky hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Would it be able to live like out of the water? Yes. All it? logic does not apply okay. to this small animal. It can like breathe in any air. Yes. Huh, yeah. yeah, or just a whale because they're the biggest, so it'd be awesome to see it, like, tiny really one. tiny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. cute, for sure. <laughs> I, I always pick like a, a dragon. A dragon? Like a little dragon. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, then I've got the question for oh. you. Okay. <laughs> if you were a dragon, what, like, what would you look like? What would, like, your fire-breathing power be? This question was, like, made for me. Um, did any of you have the dragonology books growing up? No. Did you know about, like, the Egyptology, any of those? No. Okay, you have homework. You need to go home. <laughs> you need to Google the dragonology books. This is probably why I am the way I am, but they're these, like, they look like they're, someone went on a study and brought it back, and it's got, like, pieces of dragon scale and, like, oh. writings about, like, what they looked like in the wild, so it feels like it's, like, an authentic mm-hmm. piece of research. Um, and there's a dragon in it called, um, like, the Quetzalcoatlus. It's, like, based oh. off the, like, the one in Mexican folklore. Um, so I'd look like that. It's, like, a long, green, serpentine dragon with, like, kind of, like, feathery, peacock-like hair. Um, and I think I would, like, instead of blowing fire, it'd be just, like, wind. Oh. I was ready for that one. You were. <laughs> I, it's funny because, like, um, one of my friends, like, a group of girls came up with these questions for... Uh, admittedly asking guys on dates but oh, nice. um yeah so it's like right to like see how creative they are yeah. um, so you're my, telling me these are pickup lines that you not even pickup lines like i'm just like testing filter. you yeah, yeah like are you are you creative or are you not you can just um, commit to telling me what type of dragon you are yeah. or not yeah. <laughs> um mine was <laughs> my answer which is like totally ridiculous but totally my personality was i look like one of those disney dragons that's like blue with pink polka dots and then like I have really really tiny wings <laughs> and I wouldn't have fire breath I would like just sneeze and have a glitter bomb basically <laughs> oh, cute. yeah that's basically my dragon that's cute. <laughs> what about you Brian what would your dragon be I'd be 
Okay, so you've probably seen Shrek. Yes. Like the newer <laughs> Shrek where Donkey gets married to the dragon and then they have kids. I'd be like the kid Donkey Dragon. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> hybrid. Yeah, yeah, hybrid Donkey, hybrid Dragon. Little, They have little wings. I don't know. I haven't seen them grow up yet, so I don't really know what they look like fully. <laughs> Fully mature, but interesting. I love that. That's such a niche answer. I love that. I was thinking about that. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad we all have answers to our dragon question. Yes. So, and thanks for sparking that. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime, if you need more questions. Not that I'm trying to test you on a date here, Maddie. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I Maddie, this has been such an awesome interview. I'm so glad we got to talk to you. Thanks for like promoting outreach and continuing to, you know delve into the sciences and to get everyone excited about it. Um, we need more people like you out there. Well, thank you so much for having me. It has been a wonderful time. Good. Um, and yeah, if you guys are interested in outreach, uh, feel free to reach out to us here at the podcast or we can forward your information to Maddie and she can give you tons of ideas on how you can get involved. Um, that's it for this week. We'll check you guys later. Have an epic day. <laughs> Well, that was an epic conversation. We'd like to thank all of our listeners. Tune in next time for another Epic Earth podcast. What would you say is the, the best or most fun thing that you do? Um, or uh, what is the best or most fun? I mean, you've talked a lot about 